living beyond the dollar means spending time right now with the people I care about the most. And so I've got a wife and two daughters. And these are kind of the years, as you know, with a young kid that you never get back. And so I love the work that I do, but trying to create strict borders on when I'm able to work and when I'm not so that I can be completely present when I'm home you know, with my family, spending time taking my daughter to school every morning and being there you know, for dinner every evening. Those are kind of my priorities. And so, you know what, if I can earn extra money by working more and cutting into that, it's just not worth it to me. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar, a podcast where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. I'm Sarah Lee Kane, your host, and here to give you a space to explore your relationship with money. The guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear, no topic is taboo. And in this episode, I chat with Joel and Matt, hosts of the How To Money podcast. We go into how they became close friends, sharing their life and intimate details about their financial lives. We discuss why it's so crucial to find people around you that you can trust to have these emotional conversations about money, what to share and not share when first talking about money, and where to go find support systems even when you feel like you don't have any. Now, I want to continue the conversation with you, dear listener, so please make sure to listen to the end for some juicy questions on how you can go beyond the dollar, as well as how you can continue the conversation with me. By the way, this episode is sponsored by my course, Freelance Writing Kickstart. As many of you may know, I've run my own freelance writing business for quite a while and I've shared what I've learned along the way and helped others leave their jobs or earn a healthy side hustle income. Since so many of you have asked, I've created a step-by-step process to help you cut the overwhelm when it comes to starting and sustaining a successful freelance writing business. Right now, I'm offering listeners 10% off the course using coupon code BTDLISTENER all in caps. To check it out, go to www.beyondthedollar.co backslash FWS. Don't forget to use a coupon code BTDLISTENER in all caps to grab your discount. To find resources shared in this episode, head over to www.beyondthedollar.co. All right, get ready, grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. Hey guys, welcome to Beyond the Dollar. Hey Sarah, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? Doing well. This is Matt here and Joel's uh, sitting right here beside me. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us, Sarah. Yeah, I am excited. Number one, I am sorry that we're not drinking beer because you guys usually do that on your podcast. It's a little too early in the morning for that. But listeners out there, if you're listening any later than 9 a.m., I guess, Eastern Standard Time, (laughs) then you are more than welcome to have a beverage I am just sitting here with with coffee. I don't know what you guys are drinking right now. Yeah, you know what? I've got a, a cup of coffee here as well. And it might fuel me. It's, instead of the uh, alcohol sort of bringing us down, because we would normally record our, <laughs> our show at night. And by the time we get done, we're both just totally hosed. Not from the alcohol, but because honestly, it's just typically pretty late by the time we, uh, we wrap it up. Yeah. So morning recording, this sounds fun. Yeah. Hey, and if you guys do morning drinking, no one's going to judge you. I certainly won't. <laughs> So, yeah, I brought you two on because I, number one, I just love how you two openly talk about money and you two are friends in real life, unless I'm completely wrong about that. No, totally true. IRL, we, uh, IRL, there you go. (laughs) So, just curious, how did you two meet and how did you become so open to talking to each other about money? 
Oh, nice. You want to kick it off, Joel? Sure. Yeah. So Matt and I, we live in the same neighborhood. We live just a few blocks away from each other. And so, yeah, we just kind of started hanging out. We go to the same church and we spend a lot of time together. And, and so just getting to know each other over the years, hanging out. We went on our first vacation as couples together to Ireland before we had kids. And now we've got a bunch of little ones that run around and they're about the same age too. He's Matt's got three girls. I've got two girls. So our lives just kind of naturally coincided in so many ways. And we just found out too, that we have just so many interests in common. We're completely different personality types, but we love to talk about and think about so many of the same things. And a lot of that comes down to money, building wealth, investing, and then helping other people think through those topics well too. And since we're just kind of open books talking about it together, we said, well, let's do a podcast and, and, and like get the word out, talk about it with other people. So that was kind of the, the impetus behind starting the podcast. And we like to drink beer while we do it too. Yeah, that, the, the beer aspect of it definitely helps as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It was so... I don't know if it's a fun fact, but I remember almost starting a podcast with someone a few years ago called Drunk Debt because we thought oh, if we get nice. somebody inebriated on a show and they could talk openly about their money, like, because, you know, for all three of us, we openly talk about money. I mean, I geek out on spreadsheets and 401ks and all that stuff, but there are unfortunately many out there who aren't comfortable talking about money, but they, they desperately want that support and not necessarily from a financial professional. Not to say that a you know, not to say financial professionals are bad, but they maybe they want somebody like a friend or a, a trusted family member to talk about it, especially around the feelings around money. Like in your experience, do you see that play out in other, you know, maybe your other friends' lives or families' lives and how have you helped them with it? Like what have you really just generally noticed? Yeah, that's a great, great question. That's a great thought because, you know, what we found is that anytime you involve friends with any aspect of your life, what happens? Like you spend more time doing that thing, like equate it to working out. That's one of the reasons I think that CrossFit specifically has been such a tremendous force when it comes to getting people in shape because they are involved in each other's lives to just an incredible amount and they're encouraging each other and it's just part of their community. And so from the standpoint of encouraging folks and it actually making an impact, I mean, I think having discussions around money with your friends is honestly like so crucial. And, and I think that's a huge reason why as well, we've seen that explode on social media. You see the different Facebook groups and that are dedicated towards you know financial independence specifically. It's because people are finding their people and when they can encourage each other like that, everyone benefits. Yeah, I love that. I'm just curious. So I know you two said, you, you know, you talk very openly in your open book. Did you start off by talking about numbers or did you gradually get into that? I think we really kind of started talking about general philosophies more quickly. And then we found out we had some, some common interest, especially in regards to investing in rental properties locally. And so just being able to bounce ideas off each other, you know, talk about how we were screening tenants and what sort of properties we were looking for and kind of what fit, what kind of lifestyle we wanted to create by investing well and kind of our specific approach to it. I think over the time, probably we've developed more of a similar philosophy just because of talking through things and helping each other to see, well, you know what, actually, you just said you wanted to do this, but, but, but you'd mentioned a while back that this was your goal and those two things don't line up. And so then I'm able to kind of, or Matt's able to, we kind of redirect our philosophy. And, and so those conversations just really have a major impact 
on how we move going forward in, you know, right now I'm on a hiatus. I'm not buying any more rental properties because I'm content with where I'm at. I'm super content to have five doors to manage and I just can't handle any more than that. And you know what? Maybe someday I'll buy some more, but, but right now, like that's just not even on my radar because I've, I've got other things going on that are more important. And so, yeah, I think it's important to have people to bounce that off of. And so we weren't necessarily in the beginning talking specific numbers, but just kind of those broader generalities. And then, you know, as we've gotten to know each other more and become best friends, we truly do start to talk about more specific numbers like, okay, how much are you making? And then how are you allocating your money? And we're just comfortable talking on that level with each other. I think it's more, it's probably more important for people to, to talk in percentages with their friends, typically, unless you just feel, unless you honestly feel like you can talk about specific numbers with a best friend. I think then it's okay to do that. There's nothing wrong with it. But I think most people probably feel just a little more comfortable in general talking in percentages. Yeah. And backing it up a little bit too. I mean, at the very beginning, Sarah, we, you know, we weren't really <laughs> talking about like investing and just more heady stuff. Like when we first met each other and we're just hanging out, we're just, you know, we're talking about beer and some of the more casual, topical sort of things. And what that allowed us to do is just initially build that rapport and trust each other. And then we begin to talk about, Hey, how much are you spending on cable? Because, or not cable. We don't freaking spend money on cable internet. How much are you spending money on cable? Well, if you value it, I guess you can. But, uh, but yeah, you know, just different things like that. And I think those real life examples and just there's sort of these lighter weight topics that you can start discussing with your friends or, oh man, you've got a match at work. Oh man, I'm self-employed. <laughs> I wish I could have a match. A 401k match sounds amazing. Just different conversations like that kind of get the ball rolling, right? I think having real life examples where we can have discussions around money is just way more impactful and has a it's just way more impactful for folks than just starting out talking, hey, this is what I think about compounding interest. And oh, have you heard about the safe withdrawal rate? You don't want to be a total nerd unless you know that that person's already into it. But using, yeah, using real life instances where money comes into play is just a, an awesome way to show how this affects you in real life and not just on paper or, you know, on paper or just having read it in books. Yeah, I, I love that. Too, Sarah, the, yeah. the financial services industry kind of makes us paranoid <laughs> to, uh, to talk about money. We think of it as we have to talk to a paid professional and we have to pay huge percentage points of our overall assets or a giant fee to get wisdom from the great Oz behind the curtain. And I think demystifying money because it is an easier thing to talk about than we think. And, and actually, that, that, and that's, that's ultimately Matt and I's goal in doing the podcast is like, how can we de- demystify this? How can we make it easy to understand? How can we help people make a move and change something in their lives to build wealth, to better their future and be less scared of money so that they can not only talk about it, but then invest more wisely so that they can control their own future. And so many Americans are controlled by their debt. They're controlled by poor decisions. They're in essentially a prison of their own making, right? And we think that handling your money wisely can set you on a path that is that provides just a bright future. And in the financial services industry in particular in this country, just doesn't want it to be easy, doesn't want you talking about it. They want it to be shrouded in mystery. And so, you know, people like us, your podcast, our podcast, we need to demystify this for people because it is, it can be, there can be a barrier to entry. It can be a difficult thing. Money can be hard if you're just starting out. So finding a a podcast like this or a podcast like ours, like that is going to help you get started. You don't need a high powered, high priced stockbroker in a, in a suit that's doing, doing your bidding on Wall Street 
there are so many ways that you can learn more about money on your own. Yeah. And I love you know what you mentioned about just talking about life goals or your philosophies on money. Like why do you want to use... Not why do you want to use money? Why do you want to have more money or save or spend or you know whatever it is with money? I, I really like that because I, I agree that there's such a high barrier to entry in terms of learning about more of the nitty gritty of it. I remember learning about 401ks and my husband's 403b and my gosh, my like I was like like my brain just exploded. <laughs> and it wasn't so it was really interesting how I how I got more comfortable with it was actually asking a friend who was studying the CFP. So CFP is a certified financial planner designation for anybody who doesn't know that. So she was studying that and I was like you know, I'm really curious, like if you were to explain it to somebody who had no clue, what would you say? And so she took the time to explain what to look for. And if you're interested in learning about this aspect of your 401k, here's where you look. And and it was really great. And then we ended up finishing our discussion on, does it make sense to max it out depending on what your other goals are? And so we just talked a lot about life and, and where I wanted to use my money and what I wanted to do in the next couple of years. And I left that conversation feeling so empowered because number one, I was not afraid to ask. Number two, my friend was willing to explain it in a way that wasn't intimidating. And number three, we just shoot the shit about life and how money played in that. And I think if we're able to not separate money and life, but just figure out like how are those two so intertwined that the numbers aren't necessarily the most important thing about money, I think it could definitely help people have better conversations, especially friendships and, and family members you know, in real life. That's awesome, Sarah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I want to mention two things that you mentioned, which were like that one, like the first thing you did was that you asked your friend. And that is such an important step when it comes to learning more about money and just talking about money and having conversations with your friends. Because that right there just takes being vulnerable and kind of putting yourself out there because you don't know necessarily... <laughs> how your friend or a professional or whoever it is that you're talking to, you don't know how they're going to respond, especially with friends where you know that it's not something that they necessarily want to talk about. And so at least initially, there's this moment where you're out there just kind of hanging, waiting for someone to respond. And it's just, I think it's a difficult place to be sometimes. And it takes, it takes being brave and, and being a leader in some sense. And I love that. And then, you know, you're talking about sort of merging money and life. And man, that is a conversation Joel and I have been having a lot lately, where we've been discussing how like the actual technical things surrounding money aren't really that difficult, right? Like the actual, I don't have an example, difficult. But what is, is kind of figuring out why it is that you are saving your money. Like those are the bigger questions, the more sort of like maybe spiritual or philosophical, like why is it that I'm trying to achieve this? And that is going to vary from person to person. But once you know that, once you know the, the big question and the why behind your money, that is when you're going to be able to have the stick with itness to actually follow through on the plan that you create when it comes to setting yourself up for the future. Yeah, I forget who it was, Sarah, but I think maybe it was Nietzsche who said, like, the man who knows his why can bear anyhow. And I feel like that's like so true when it comes to your money, right? Like, if you know the why behind why you're doing something, you can totally figure out the ways that you want to cut back, why you want to live in a smaller space and why you want to you know, cone Marie your house and get rid of a bunch of your possessions. <laughs> Whatever it is, you can figure that out if you know your why. Like You can bear moving into a smaller space and living a more cramped lifestyle if your goal is financial independence by 50, right? If you know that you've got, your, you've got a goal set out and your mind is focused in that direction, it's so much easier to start doing these things. 
if you don't have that why figured out and you just kind of start to take on these extraneous methods of decluttering and saving money, it's going to feel like a burden and it's not going to feel like a joy to do. So you definitely have to align your goals with your money decisions. And part of that is talking with your friends. I feel like having an open conversation with your spouse, with your friends, with the people that are close to you in your life and saying, hey, I think this is what I value the most. Like, what do you think? What do you value? What do you use money for? And so many of us just fly through life blindly. We're spending kind of aimlessly. And then we get the credit card bill and we can't pay it off. And that is that, that is the biggest problem. Ultimately, it's just a lack of intentionality. Yeah, I think it wasn't the philosopher Nietzsche. I think it was uh, Macklemore who actually oh, said was that. It? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I'm like, I'll, yeah, I'll find it in the show it. notes or I'll link it in the show notes and we'll see. <laughs> we'll see yeah. who actually said it. <laughs> no, I love that too. We, we recently had a listener comment on somewhere, I don't know, maybe Instagram, but he was talking about how they are about to have their second baby and they're kind of cramped and there's in their house that they feel is, is a little too small for them right now. However, they're going to put up with it. They're going to deal with it because they know in a year, they're planning to live abroad in Germany mm. for, uh, for a time. And man, that totally resonated with me because he got it. Like he understands that, you know, this is a sacrifice that we're making now in order to live a life that we want to live and to live a life that we want to live abroad. And that was their goal. And so by keeping that front of mind, he's able to, you know, bear it (laughs) and not just bear it, but to do it happily because Mm -hmm. he knows that the things, the sacrifices that they're making now, the things that they're not buying now, like all that is going to allow them to do something much, much cooler in the long run. Yeah, and all his other friends who bought a bigger house and see him go to Germany with his family. They're like, how can you afford that? How can you do that? And they just don't see that that one decision right there made it completely possible. Yeah, I love that. I guess for people out there who are still a little nervous talking about money, maybe, like you said, approach it in terms of what are your life goals and maybe even talk about, oh, this is my priority. And Somebody can chime in and say, well, you know, I heard this story about some guy who's going to Germany in a year and put up with a smaller house. Like if you're planning on buying an RV, like what does it make sense to buy a bigger house? You know, so I love that. I mean, I've always approached it whenever I talk to friends about money, when I used to be scared about it is I would read an article and be like, hey, listen, I read this article on, I don't know, budgeting. Like, what do you guys think? And then that usually sparks some really great conversations. I've always done like challenges with my friends. So I did one where we challenged ourselves not to go out to eat for a whole month. I failed horribly, but my friends did really great. <laughs> and they learned a lot about themselves in the process. So there's a lot of ways to really make it less intimidating instead of just talking straight numbers. If you, you, know, if you really, really want to find that support out there. I am curious, do you guys openly share any money mistakes that you've made with each other? Oh, yeah. I can't. I think we did. We, we did an episode recently, frugal versus cheap, and I think I <laughs> I admitted one major mistake. Just just sometimes my tendency over the years has been to buy a cheaper product, one that doesn't quite fulfill the need I'm looking for, but I think maybe it's good enough, and it, it ultimately turns out that it's not good enough. And so that's kind of my my tendency. I feel like Matt buys is better at buying fewer things, buying nicer things, and so I'm kind of learning. As I go, like, okay, I don't need to buy as much stuff. I found myself too. I would buy things just because they were a deal. And I feel like that's a common mistake or kind of pit that people fall into. And I certainly did. It was, all right, if I buy my jeans at H&M for $12, but I have like seven pairs. But guess what? I don't really like any of them because after a week, they're all like irregularly shaped and stuff like that. And so I decided for me, it was worth it to buy a more expensive pair of jeans. I'm wearing $50 jeans right now. But you know what? I have two pairs. 
I alternate them and I wear jeans like literally every day of my life. <laughs> so a hundred dollars for jeans that are uh, for two pairs of jeans that are going to last you know three years that I absolutely love wearing is a really small price to pay. And so, yeah, that's been one of my biggest money mistakes is being a cheapskate when I don't need to be and then buying crap I don't need just because it's on sale. So yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty open about those money mistakes and, and happy to talk about other ones I've made too. But definitely over, I've been, I feel like I've been really fortunate over the years too. I think that's the, the exact definition of fancy pants. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sir. And for me personally, more of my sort of financial mistakes have come from overconsumption. I kind of have more of the, the tendency to consume more. I'm, I kind of have more of a consumeristic background and I have to kind of challenge myself to not get caught up into the new thing that I've learned about. Like Joel mentioned jeans, right? <laughs> I remember when I first learned about Japanese salvaged raw denim, right? And it's something that where I kind of geek out on things. And when you learn more... Our listeners right now are like, what? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I have to Google denim. that. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if, yeah, like the denim heads out there are like, yeah, nice jeans. <laughs> but for me, once I get my head into a specific topic, I kind of get, I can get carried away and it makes me want to just kind of go further and further down that rabbit hole. And before you know it, you know, I'm way in over my head and I'm spending way too much money on a specific thing, whether it be, gosh, whether it be jeans or I'm a photographer. So I kind of fell into that trap when it came to camera gear or bikes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Or bikes. I'm at the point now where I really want another bike, <laughs> but I'm having to keep myself from, from buying it because I don't really need it. And I don't know, keeping yourself in check is a difficult thing to do. But when you're surrounded with friends and folks who know you and who also know your, your end goals, then, you know, you feel a little self-conscious, you know, that well, shoot, you know, if I, if I immediately go out and, and try to start spending money on more bikes and things like that, Joel's there to, to kind of keep me in check. So I appreciate that about our friendship specifically. But in general, I know that's my tendency is to maybe overconsume and, and get and nerd out too much on the things that I really don't need to be spending my money on. I love that. One last thing, this is something I'm really grappling with, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, is openly sharing salaries and how much you make to your friends and family. Like, How do you feel about that? I think on a friends and family level, it can be... A little awkward. I think, like we said a little bit earlier in the show, I think talking in percentages can be really helpful and it can make people feel less self conscious because if, and it also depends on your friendship level. Like, you think Matt and I are comfortable sharing exactly how much money we make with each other, but you know, we also do a lot of life together and it's a little bit different. But for casual friends, for just decent friends, sharing that can make someone feel inferior, can make someone feel awkward. But when you're talking about percentages and say, hey, I just upped my, what I'm saving in my 401k from 7% to 10%. I'm so excited. I think that, that this is going to help me you know, in, my, in the long run build wealth for myself. And, and here are my goals. I think that's an easier way to get started. And it, it provides, it doesn't prop up a barrier in between you and your friend. Because when you know somebody else's salary, and let's say it's 50, 75% more than you make, it can, I mean, it can really cause a rift in the friendship. So I think sharing specific numbers it's not the worst idea. And if both you and your friend agree to it and feel comfortable doing it, I think it's okay. But I don't think that's necessarily the goal. I think the goal is to get started talking about money and percentages and goal setting, right, can be kind of an easier easier path to trod when you're talking about money with your friends. Yeah, Sarah, I think that's an awesome question because income varies widely from person to person. However, I think expenses can be more on the same page. And so like Joel said, when you know that you are on the same page as someone from a financial standpoint and your strategy and what it is that you're achieving, you know, 
financial numbers like income can be helpful to discuss things. But I think widely, from a wide standpoint, a lot of folks have similar expenses. And I see, I see that shared much more often. I think one of the holdups that keeps people from talking about money and, and certainly their income as well is that a lot of times, I think self-worth is tied up into how much you make. And I think that's unfortunate. I think it's, it can be unhealthy because, you know, I'm a photographer. I don't make a ton of money, but, you know, I've got my neighbor and he's a doctor. So he makes a lot more money. And if I had the, you know, idea that I'm sort of worth less of a person or I'm con- contributing less to society because I'm bringing in less money, I think that right there is an unhealthy way to, to, to view finances. And so when you have your self worth tied up into your income, I think that can keep people from, you know, sharing openly about money in general, and it kind of shuts the conversation down altogether. We personally have a lot of friends who make a good bit more than us, but because we've had discussions regarding money with them, you know, they don't feel bad when they say, oh, yeah, you know, we've got a sitter all day and we're going to now go out on a, you know, on a date night and we're the nicest restaurant in town. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Which I don't know, maybe like a few years ago, I would have heard and thought, man, what the hell? Like, I want to be able to do that. And Honestly, I do want to be able to do that, but that's not something that we're prioritizing right now. So it's obviously not that important for me. And But fact is, I'm not holding grudges against anyone that's doing that, where we have a discussion going about money. And they don't feel bad either about sharing that information because they know that we have a healthy perspective on money. We can all encourage each other when it comes to you know saving and trying to spend less. But yeah, you know, I think it just depends on the person. Sometimes sharing income can be helpful. But you, I think you just have to make sure you're on the same page. You have to make sure that you see eye to eye because, you know, otherwise it can kind of be viewed as like, why are you telling me how much money you make? Are you trying to brag? <laughs> yeah. It's this weird sort of thing where if someone's not ready for it, it can really be sort of this, this shock. You know, owning my own business, I feel like we have been, I feel that we have had our sort of finances a little more transparent because you can see how much I charge for a job. And so you take that and you can easily multiply that out. It's not necessarily a public sector job, but it's not difficult to, to look up and figure out how much you make. Yeah, I think too, Sarah, you tend to spend money and think about money in relative terms to the way the closest people in your life think about money. So if your parents didn't handle money well, you in all likelihood have learned some bad money habits. And it's going to take a little bit extra effort. It's another hurdle that you need to jump over in order to get better with your own personal finances. And your best friends, your neighbors... Your, if your neighbor's a doctor, it's going to, like Matt said, it's going to be a little bit harder for you to be content with what you have. So if you live in the fanciest neighborhood, not only is the, are you going to probably spend more right on your, your mortgage payment and taxes, but also you're going to see your neighbor bringing home a super sweet new Camaro and you're going to decide <laughs> you want one too, right? And so I think it's important when you're thinking about who you surround yourself with, the neighborhood you live in, like where you choose to live, make sure that it reflects kind of your money values. And obviously that can be hard to change in an instant, right? I'm not saying move to a crappier neighborhood right now because you're going to spend less. But I think when you do consider who you spend time with, the people that want to go out for $12 cocktails three times a week, I mean, you're directly influenced by that. And I think there are are ways to maintain those friendships, but not live that lifestyle. And that can be kind of hard, right? But I think it's really important to surround yourself and to start having those conversations with those people. Because you know what? Maybe even your friend who likes $12 cocktails, they just need someone to kind of not prod them, but to kind of start the conversation. And you can be that friend that kind of opens up a money conversation in your network of peers. 
and be the one that gets people thinking about, hey, how much are you paying for your internet service and how much are you saving for retirement? And, uh, and I think that's actually not something you should be scared to do. It's something you should be excited to kind of partake in. I think you'll realize too, that your friends that you were scared to talk with about money, I think you'll realize that they were just waiting for someone to start, waiting for someone to bring it up. And they are going to be thankful that you've kind of created this safe space, for lack of a better word, to talk about finances with people that they care about. Yeah, Joel, and you just mentioned this too, but you know, it's not that you can't be friends with your rich friends, right? But that it might just be a little bit more difficult. And it takes as well, like having something else in common other than just consuming whatever it is that they like to consume. And so it kind of goes a little bit deeper as well. And if, you know, a lot of your relationships are based, say, on going out for drinks, well, chances are you're not going to be able to maintain that friendship as easily because if all they like to do is go out for drinks and you're not able to do that anymore, there has to be something deeper and something kind of beyond what's on the service uh, and spending. I'm thinking of my wife specifically. She has uh, some really good friends and, you know, and they spend a good bit more money than she does. And that's totally fine. She doesn't always go with them, but they have some other things as well that really ties them together that is very important to them. And so having that kind of connection at a deeper level, just beyond consumption is so key in order to maintain those relationships. No, I, I love that. I was just, just going to say that you're almost giving other people permission to start talking about money because you're starting to talk about money. And you're also giving permission for people to be open about it and to still find a way to have common ground despite you know different numbers and percentages and and even how how you spend your money so i love that before we we wrap up i would like to ask you too matt and joel how are you living beyond the dollar sarah i love that as a final question and yeah for me living beyond the dollar means spending time right now with the people i care about the most and so I've got a wife and two daughters and they're five and three. And these are kind of the years, as you know, with a young kid that you never get back. And so I love the work that I do, but trying to create strict borders on when I'm able to work and when I'm not so that I can be completely present when I'm home you know, with my family, spending time taking my daughter to school every morning and being there you know, for dinner every evening. Those are kind of my priorities. And so you know what, if I can earn extra money by working more and cutting into that, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it to me. And so that's kind of how I think about living beyond the dollar. It is maximizing that time that I have available to me to work, but creating strict borders so that I have, you know, that life, the things that I truly care about so that money and work doesn't get in the way of those things. Dang it, dude, you're going to just steal everything I'm going to say too. Hey, you let me go first, man. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to kind of piggyback off Joel a little bit there. And these are discussions that we've had a lot lately because, you know, again, we're, we're on the same page on a lot of this stuff, probably because we talked about say, it a you lot. Two yeah, sound we're, the same. We're, it's hard for me to distinguish between you two. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> we're in similar stages of life. And, you know, and that's the, the case for me as well. Like you hear so many folks talking about sacrificing now and working crazy long hours now and, and just working hard in order to achieve financial independence, you know, since 10, 10 years from now. Right. Well, for me, like my kids are at a crucial age right now where you know, so many of their opinions towards life and towards parenting and love and, and to money as well. But a lot of a lot of their opinions are, are being formed right now. And for me to you know sacrifice more of my family time right now in order to achieve financial independence, maybe in 10 years. Well, like, what is that going to teach them? And so keeping family in mind is so key these days. 
and honestly trying to find ways to make family more of a priority and even, you know, trying to, and even trying to kind of dial back the number of hours that I work these days. I want to be able to be there for them in ways that aren't just the standard sort of nine to five, but like what are other ways that, you know, might be more creative or kind of working creatively with, you know, with when I work in order to be more present in their lives, not just physically, but, but just more involved sort of mentally as well. I want them to be top of my mind just as much as my work is, if not more. Love it. Love it. Thank you guys for, for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Sarah. We appreciate it. Yes. This was fun. Yeah. A ton of fun. We really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Joel and Matt. They are just such a fun bunch, aren't they? They're just really great to talk to. And definitely check out their podcast, which has quite a bit of practical advice. And they chat about beer and all of that, if, if that's what you're into. So just a little bit of reflection. I wanted to start really asking you to think about life goals or interests and how you can use that to talk about money with friends and family. Because like Joel and Matt and I have really talked about is that it's it can be difficult to talk to other people about money, but yet it is one of the biggest benefits in your financial life. Like I know that if I didn't start talking openly about money, I don't think I would be where I am at today. So think about that. How can you share some life goals? How can you share some interests? Maybe talk about vacations or hobbies, things like that. Joel and Matt also really talked about how talking about specific numbers may be too scary for yourself or for the people you're talking with. So maybe sharing percentages is a good middle ground. So maybe talking about, oh, I saved 50% on groceries this month, or I got a 5% raise or something like that. And Speaking about income, maybe that is a conversation that you don't want to start just yet until you're really, really comfortable with that person you're talking with. Now, in a previous episode, I talked about my money mastermind group and how we're very open about numbers and income, et cetera, but that didn't really start out that way, right? We started talking a little bit more about expenses and things like that. So maybe that's where you can start is think about, oh, wait, can I shop at this supermarket instead of this supermarket? And it, it's a little less intimidating that way. So hopefully you've gotten a lot out of that conversation. So as always, I ask you a question to consider in your own life beyond the dollar. And today's question is, what is your current priority when it comes to your financial life? And who can you approach that you can share this? And then you know, therefore creating a support system around your money. So I would love to hear what you think. DM me on Instagram at beyond the dollar, or you can hop over to beyondthedollar.co and just leave a comment in any one of the, the posts or the show notes for this episode. So let me just open the reader mailbox, which is a new segment that I'm adding to the end because I'm just having some wonderful conversations with you on Instagram. A few of you have emailed me. So I wanted to make this podcast definitely more interactive and help you live beyond the dollar. That is literally the mission of the podcast, right? So thank you so much to Phil who asked, how did I know when it was time to quit my job other than feeling like I was ready to quit my job? So great question. Thank you, Phil. So just a bit of a background. I was previously a teacher and then I made the leap into self-employment through freelance writing about two and a half years ago, almost three years ago now. So yes, it is definitely a big mindset shift. So what helped me was 
I wanted to make sure I was able to replace or make most of what I made in my old day job before I felt like I could leave. And so a few months before my teaching contract actually ended, I set an income goal. So I I set the income goal to be the same as my day job after taxes. And so I thought, if I can do this three months in a row, then I know that I have what it takes to continue to make the same income for the next foreseeable future. And so when that goal was achieved, I felt very, very safe in air quotes, knowing that I that I could do it. And the other thing that really helped was I had an actual deadline. So June 6 was like the very last day of work for me. So I knew that if I am not going to renew my contract or try to find another job, I had to ha- make sure that I had enough money at that point to quit. And something else I've mentioned in previous episodes is that I had a really, really big emergency fund And so I felt safe knowing that if I wasn't making any money, my husband wasn't making any money, that we had plenty of cash stashed away in order to pay bills, et cetera. So again, thank you so much for that question. And again, if you have any questions, thoughts, comments, especially the question from today's episode, find me on Instagram at beyondthedollar. If you want to email me, hello at beyondthedollar.co or just come on over to the website beyondthedollar.co and leave a comment somewhere. All right, I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening in on Beyond the Dollar. If you like what you heard, please share with a friend. It'll help share the mission of what we're trying to do, which is to have more deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Tag them on Instagram, on one of my posts at Beyond the Dollar, send them a link, whatever you want to do to spread the mission of what we're doing around here. And if you feel that putting money towards the things that really matter is a challenge for you, download our values-based spending guide. You'll gain clarity around what matters to you most in life, be able to name your most important values, and how to start putting money towards those things. To download the values-based spending guide, go to www.beyondthedollar.co. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar. By the way, don't you love the new intro music? Thank you so much to Donovan Durance for providing this awesome song.